0: reading from the epistle of 1 Peter. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the faith of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you, though not the removal not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Paul Sorensen. I'm the lead pastor here at the Daniel Island Fellowship. It's a joy to have you with us this morning. As we dive into this passage from 1 Peter, I'd like to begin with a word of prayer. So if you would, please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this spring, we've been making our way through the book of 1 Peter. For those who are visiting or new with us, we typically go through a whole book of the Bible and unpacking it chapter by chapter. And so we're reengaging 1 Peter now after Easter, and we're looking at 1 Peter 3, the second part of that passage. And uh, this is a meat and potatoes kind of sermon. And I'm going to try to make it simple and accessible and applicable to all of our lives. And Stone, or whoever else is in here, I invite you to learn one truth to take with you that can apply to where you're at. So, with that, I want to begin with this question Have you ever seen a person wear themselves out for the sake of another? Have you ever seen a person wear themselves out for the sake of another? As we celebrated this morning, uh, these men on the screen behind me went on a hike together. There was about 30 men. Uh, We were told very little about what we were doing, where we were going, what we were eating. Um, Some people did not like that. Some thought it was an adventure in and of itself. Uh, We would hike and hike, and sometimes through the rain, and they'd say, one more mile. And uh, that was a long mile, John. Um, and uh, I showed some of these pictures a couple weeks ago right when we, re- we returned but here are some guys hiking uh, through a valley in Pisgah National Forest and of course we also saw some peaks and here's Mike Banks and somebody else looking at the Blue Ridge Mountains you see why they're called the Blue Ridge Mountains don't you and uh, it wasn't just about getting away together uh, it was about life change God met us on the mountain, and uh, I think this picture summarizes that very well. There's Gerald getting baptized, and after, <laughs> and it wasn't just Gerald. It was one man after another man after another man after another man, and they kept coming, and they said, "I want, I want new life in Christ." I want him to change my life. And, and it wasn't just uh, those guys being baptized. All the rest of the men would cheer with this kind of like warlike cheer. It was so amazing. And, and even if you're not a Christian and you joined us, I think it was quite a moving moment. And as I look back at the hike, I, I think of guys like this guy right here, our very own Butch Skinner. You see, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret how the, the hike works now that I've been through it. There's a couple different teams, and, and, and they're led both uh, spiritually and, and rigorously through the mountains, but then there's this team called the King's Team, or the King's Camp. And these are some guys that have been on the hike before. Maybe they're a step ahead or two uh, of where we might be in terms of our rigor or spiritual walk. And, and Butch served on one of these, uh, on this team, excuse me, the King's Team, and in the middle of the weekend, this King's Team uh, served us. They surprised us, and they served us as both teams kind of came together for a night together. And uh, as I saw Butch, I gave him a big hug. I said, Butch, how are you? Thanks for being out here. And he's like, well, have you, have you heard what happened? And uh, I was like, what do you mean? Well, he says, well, you want me to be honest, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm tired. Uh, you're tired. Um, okay. You see, what happened to Butch was unique. Uh, John Maxwell, our fearless hike leader, um, on the, the night before the hike, he, he messaged us and he says, Wear what you will need for the hike. We're leaving at 6 a.m. tomorrow from the church space. So Butch took this, um, this uh, instruction literally. And so about halfway into his hike, he kind of fell down uh, or just knelt down and said, Men, I can't go any further. I need to rest. If you need to go further, go on. And they said, Butch, are you okay? You look kind of winded. He goes, I am kind of winded. I'm sweating. I'm hot. And as they discussed what was going on, it turns out Butch was wearing every single thing he would need for those four days in the mountains. He had four or five layers on his top and bottom, and he had wiped himself out. And uh, they stripped off those clothes, they left some on, and they made it to King's Camp. But here's the thing. Butch needed those men, but the men needed Butch. Without Butch, the hike would not have been the same. You you see, he got up that first night we were together. He shared his story. He's in his mid-70s. He's seen highs and lows. He's seen love come and go, and he shared it all, pouring his heart out for the sake of all the men around that fire. Butch needed the men to make it to the end, but the men needed Butch. And I think that points to our passage this morning. As I view this passage, I think this is the big idea. A heart that embraces the gospel fosters a life that displays the gospel, A heart that embraces the gospel fosters a life that displays the gospel. And even though we read a super long passage, I want to make it very simple and memorable through these three points. Point number one, a gospel heart builds. Point number two, a gospel heart blesses. And point number three, a gospel heart believes. Point number one, a gospel heart blesses. Peter begins our passage with these words. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. So for those who have not been with us this spring and looking at 1 Peter, let me tell you the lay of the land with 1 Peter. Peter is writing to Christians that have a Jewish background and a Gentile background, kind of a melting pot, kind kind of like us. They were in what's now modern-day Turkey. And uh, he begins his book or his letter to them saying, chosen foreigners, and we unpacked this earlier in the spring, but he's basically calling them out saying, you are chosen by God's love for another world, a a world that is yet to to come. And, And he goes on and he says, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He's saying, guys, this world is not as good as it gets. In this, this book, one of the meta themes of this book is suffering. You will face darkness. You will Face suffering, but you are a people bill, you are a people deity of a living hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's how chapter one kind of unfolds. And then we we look at chapter three here, and he basically says, But friends, don't just hope, love. Don't just hope in the future, love in the now. And he uses some attributes that I just want to unpack briefly. He says, be like-minded which means to share a common heart and mind. Be sympathetic, which means to be merciful. He says love, and, and I love this for the nerds in the room like me. That the root of this is Philod- Philadelphos, which the city of brotherly love is. And this is where it comes from, Philadelphos. And he says love one another with a brotherly affection. Later in scripture, he would say, greet one another with a holy kiss, He uses the same root word. What he's basically saying is, Garth, when you see me on Sunday or when we pass the peace later in the service, he's saying, greet me and have me greet you as my brother. He's saying a gospel heart builds up one another. As I was preparing for today's message, I couldn't help but uh, think of Bill and Catherine Reed. Uh, They're a couple probably around 60 years old. Uh, Bill came to the hike Uh, The week before Easter, our kids' ministry unveiled this incredible journey through Easter called the Holy Week Experience. And uh, what they did is they took scriptures and paired those scriptures with eggs for every day of the week of this Holy Week so that the kids and families could journey together through Holy Week. And each, each egg included a sensory experience so that the kids and even the adults could kind of dive deeper into Christ's uh, crucifixion and resurrection. So, for instance, on Black Friday, there's the passage around uh, Jesus meeting his death, right, and, and hanging on the cross, and, and it's called Black Friday. So the kids ate black lic- licorice and read that scripture. And uh, also, they, they held real potent thorns that day. So Bill and Catherine Reed, the week we handed out these, these bags, They took five bags, and as they were leaving, I was like, well, um, hey, you're gonna have a great experience, but you don't have kids here, you know? And, And they said, well, we actually are getting these for another family. There's a family in our church that couldn't be here today. They're actually in Ohio, and five kids, and the husband's been deployed for months. And we just felt God calling us to get these bags, not for ourselves, but we're gonna overnight them to Ohio. And that really struck me. Because the truth of the matter is, a lot of us come to church and we're just saying, what can we get out of it? But hopefully, hopefully we're cultivating a different culture here at the DI Fellowship where it's not just about me, it's about us, it's about we. How can I build up, Gerald? How can I build up, Daniel? How can I build up, Julie? How can I build one another up? And they were leaving to send these care packages overnight to Ohio so that that family, could be built up in Christ. A gospel heart builds, point number one. Point number two, a gospel heart blesses. And this is where it cuts to the heart. The passage goes on, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he quotes directly from Psalm 34, a Davidic psalm. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil in their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. A little audience participation. Have you ever... Been wronged? Don't raise your hand, just blink at me. Have you ever been wronged? There's a lot of blink over there on this side, but <laughs> listen, there's a reason Peter pulls from this psalm, this story of King David. King David wrote Psalm 34. Uh, we went through the life of King David this fall. King David, for those that didn't grow up in and around the church, he's regarded as the greatest king of Israel, Perhaps the greatest king of all time outside of Christ. He was a little shepherd boy. The nation of Israel was under attack. The Philistines were making their way and they, they had this, this giant, this nasty giant named Goliath who was challenging, taunting the Israelites. And everyone was filled with fear except a little shepherd boy named David. And David responded to the call of God and responded to the need of the hour, uh, picked up his sling and some rocks, And he took out Goliath, trusting in God and who God called him to be. And Saul, the current king of Israel, took note, and uh, he was anointed to be the future king of Israel, and he became like a son to Saul, very loyal, very faithful. And yet, over time, Saul's heart grew hard and jealous over David, And before you know it, this innocent, faithful young man was having spears literally thrown at him by Saul, his spiritual father, if you will. And he had to flee for his life. And I wonder if you can relate to that this morning. Whether it's someone's words or actions, has someone ever cut you or tried to take you out when it's not even deserved? And so that's the picture here. And as David is writing this psalm, he has fled for his life. And where did he flee? He fled to his enemy, the Philistines. And uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21 records the story, how he's recognized within the Philistine region. Hey, this is the enemy of the Philistines. And it says he has to play like he's a madman and, and it says in the scriptures, saliva, he starts spitting up saliva all down his beard, and he has to flee even the Philistines. And he writes this psalm in the midst of that persecution. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech. You see, Peter's not just channeling David, he's channeling Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the greatest teaching the world's ever known, Jesus had this to say, and I'm gonna use Eugene Peterson's uh, message because I think he nails it. This is from Matthew chapter five. You're familiar with the old written law. Love your friend. In its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone. Regardless, the good, the bad, the nice, in the nasty. I love that. I love that. Let them bring out the best in you. You see, God wants you to not only receive His love, He wants you to extend this love to every nasty and undeserving person you will meet. Boy, that's countercultural. But if we don't do it as followers of Jesus, who will? What Peter is saying and what Jesus is saying is I want your circumstances, I want your kind of your actions, your, your, your words to transcend your circumstances in the actions of another. And why? And he goes on to say, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. See, when we do this, we're able to say, I'm not bowing down to you or reacting to you because I'm bowing down to him. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Consciously, against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. Speak with gentleness and respect. God wants us to build up within the family of God and bless out through the family of God even to the nastiest people around. I had someone come up to me after the first service and say, I'm super convicted. I had a horrible week at work, and I literally have to go home and rewrite an email that I was about to push send on. Before you push send, before you send in the email, send in the text, leave that nasty message, use those different kind of fingers on the road in 526 when the semi-truck almost, you know, (laughs) pushes you over the bridge. God is saying, bless them, pray for them. You see, a gospel heart builds, a gospel heart blesses, and then point number three, a gospel heart believes. As I was preparing this week, I came across this story from David Helm. The Battle of Waterloo is one of the most famous battles in history. It occurred on the mainland of Europe on June 18th, 1815. It pitted the French army commanded by Napoleon against the Anglo-German Dutch forces led by the Duke of Wellington and the Prussian forces commanded by General Gebert Blucher. There's an interesting story about how the news about Waterloo reached Israel. News was carried first by a ship that sailed from Europe across the English Channel to England's southern coast. The news was then relayed from the coast by signal flags to London. When the report was received in London at Winchester Cathedral, the flags atop the cathedral began to spell out Wellington's defeat of Napoleon to the entire city. Quote, Wellington defeated. However, before the message could be completed, a good old-fashioned London fog moved in and the rest of the message was hidden. Based on incomplete information, the citizens of London thought Napoleon had won. That would have been a devastating defeat for England. Gloom filled the whole nation as the bad news quickly spread everywhere. But when the mist began to lift, the flags high up on Winchester Cathedral completed the news. The flags spelled out this triumphant message Wellington defeated the enemy. The English fears had been unfounded. Joy immediately replaced the gloom. All over England, people danced in the streets, rejoicing at this great victory over one of the most dangerous enemies the nation had ever faced. Wellington defeated the enemy. What Peter says here is, Christ has defeated the enemy. He's broken the back of darkness and evil in us and around us. The gospel heart doesn't just build one another up. The gospel heart doesn't just bless one another out. It believes in the good news, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where Peter goes. I love how the NLT, the New Living Translation, puts it. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He ends the passage. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, in all the angels, in authorities, in powers, except his authority. What he is saying is Christ is victorious, and in him we are victorious. The best is yet to come, and we can hope in a better tomorrow when you get that good, excuse me, that tough news about someone's health. You're facing that tough situation at work. You're struggling in a marriage that's maybe falling apart. The best is yet to come. We are people of hope, but we're also called to be people of love that build, bless, and believe in the good news of Jesus. The justice and mercy of God We're not just handled on the cross. They were seen in the resurrection, that empty tomb. Through Jesus, the power of darkness has been broken. I don't have time to unpack kind of this last section that gets into kind of this victory march of Jesus descending to the dead. It's kind of crazy. If you're a Bible nerd, you can dive into it, do some research on it. But I do wanna highlight something he touches on. He basically says, like just as in the days of Noah, God saved Noah through the ark, God is saving you and me through the power of baptism. And he cites the resurrection of Jesus. Romans 6 talks about it, but essentially what he's saying is the waters, in the waters, we go down into death and we come up into new life where he's cleansed us. He's forgiven us. He's made us new, as white as snow. Do you know that power in that good news in your life? Using the metaphor of the Wellington story, this battle, what baptism is, it's an outward sign and seal of God's power and grace in your life. It is the flag we fly to say Christ has won. The devil has been defeated. That's what Peter's saying here. And today, we have an opportunity to step into this passage, to live into this passage, to live into our baptism, as Peter's calling us to, to build up, to bless out, and to believe. Do you feel God nudging you to be baptized today? Do you feel God calling you to be, kind of, reaffirm your baptism today? Well, let's do it. 2 p.m., Citadel Beach Club. And if not you, would you come and celebrate and cheer on the other people that are being baptized today? Garth, Rob, hopefully others with the victory cheer that they must have screamed out in England and the heavens scream out with the victory of Jesus over death in darkness saying, the best is yet to come. A heart that embraces the gospel fosters a life that displays the gospel. That is my prayer, and that is God's prayer for you today, that you would not only embrace the love of Jesus, but then display it by building up, blessing out, and believing that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I I pray that even one nugget of this message would land home, God, would you help us build up your family in love? Would you help us bless out to our world in need? And would we be rooted in the awesome sign and seal of baptism in our belief? Thank you for the death and the new life we have in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, amen.